Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're watching online or you're here in the room, I'm Charlie. Really glad that you are worshiping with us today. And um, just in case you're wondering, like, this is not the same shirt I wore last week. Heidi, I even asked the same question. She's like, is this the same shirt you wore last week? He's like, no, it's a different one. I have plenty of them. Anyway, as long as there's a win streak going with the basketball team, you can be assured that I'm going to be wearing this. Gets to double digits. I'll bring out the red pants again. It'll be a great, be a great day for all of us. Um, we're starting a new series today. We're starting a new series today. Uh, it's, it's on relationships. And normally, uh, when we do a relationship series, typically around marriages, families, those kinds of things. But, you know, in the fall, we did a class that was on, on sex and sexuality, which obviously had a significant focus around marriage relationships. And so we're kind of changing it a little bit uh, here and just kind of really talking a lot more just about, uh, just about relationships in general, the way that we love each other, our friendships, just kind of who we are and the way that we just generally interact with everybody. And so just kind of our relationships in a very broad sense. We'll be doing that over the next uh, five weeks. I think it's going to be a really good series. encourage you to guys to keep coming back to that, just talking about what does it really mean to love and how do we love well and what is it when Jesus says for us to love each other well, what does that, what does that mean? And so the question, this question, as I've been thinking about this particular sermon, kind of what's been prepping this for me, the, the question that's kind of been in my head that I think can kind of set the stage for today and really I think for the whole series is when people really get to kind of peek behind the scenes in your life, in your family's lives, in your relationships, what are, they, what are they really going to see? Now, I think that by and large, we as a church, we're pretty good at not being particularly fake on, on Sundays. But at the same time, and we're all still just kind of putting on our best face here. I mean, you're, you know, you kind of, there's your public face of who it is you, you're trying to be. You're trying to be your best version of yourself when you're out in public. And there's no, there's no, there's no shame in that. It's not necessarily being fake. But then there's kind of who you are everywhere is who you are in private with your with your family or just your close friends like who are you what will people see if they got to really peek behind the curtain now in our family in particular we've got our own we got our own little quirks our family does but one of the things that kind of comes up a lot is that and when when we're all together for dinner or whatever there's a lot of pressure to be funny right you like, who, who gets to be funny? Like, who's getting the most laughs? Who's kind of controlling the, the laughter kind of deal? Who's telling the best jokes? There's a lot of pressure. And, I, and our older girls have talked about this before. It's like, man, sometimes I just feel like I feel all this pressure. I got I to be funny. And, and then I feel like I'm not being very funny and all these things. But then they all said, and then our oldest, Maylee, she was the first one to say it. But, you know, I realized something the other day, Dad. The other day, Dad like, in my, in my friend group, I'm the funny one. Like, I don't ever feel like I'm the funny one here, but my friend group, I'm the funny one. And then, and then Lauren said the same thing. We kind of all realized that that's just kind of what we are. And then I saw this tweet uh, the other day that said, um, if you raise, if, if you talk to your kids with sarcasm, you're going to raise sarcastic kids. And I don't know if I was supposed to feel embarrassed when I read that. I don't know if I was supposed to feel pride, but I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. That's 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 what I have. And for those of you guys who are around for this, I mean, Lauren, our middle, she's 21 now. But when she was, I mean, there was a time she was running around here. She was just 10, 11, 12 years old, a kid, right? And and there's lots of stories like this, but one in particular really kind of sits out. I don't really remember all the details, but I remember it was Cass, our worship our, our worship pastor. He was he was talking to Lauren, 
And I don't remember exactly what it was. She was wearing some shoes or a hat or something like that. And he drew some attention to her and was and was teasing her about it the way that you do. Oh, I like your hat. You know, something like that, right? So he goes, oh, yeah, I really like those shoes. Uh, nice shoes. And he goes, nice face. Right? And he's like, man, I, you know, kids, like, he comes up to me. He's like, you know, most kids kind of giggle. They kind of put their head down. It's like, she cut me. He's like, yeah, she, she will cut you. You need to be, you need to be careful. And some of y'all didn't learn the lesson. Because now there's another one running around. She's 10, right? She's running around. You think, ha-ha, it's a kid. She will cut you. She, she just will. And I said this, right? And this is second service. You guys don't know. We have an earlier service. I, I had two, two people come up to me after the first service. Like, yeah, you won't believe this story. And then they tell me this story about something Layla said. I mean, I can't tell that story. But you just got to know. You got to be saying, be careful. You know, and so we have a lot of fun. You know, we, we, we use a lot of humor. And I, and I hope that if you experience this as a family, you'll just kind of experience. And this is a, this is a fun group. I think they love each other well. They, they enjoy being together. What about you? If I were to follow you around and see what you're like with your family, what you're like with your friends, what you're like in your small group, what you hear on Sunday morning, what, what would people see? There's a passage that we're going to be looking at today, Jesus talking to his followers, where he's essentially kind of setting up, and you see several different passages like this, where Jesus is kind of setting up for them what he wants them to be about when he's not around. Like the kind of the characteristics, the things that he wants them to be doing, the kind of characteristics that he wants them to have. Hey, you're, you're my followers, this is what I want you to look like. Because here's the deal, for them... For Jesus, for, for like the disciples, following Jesus was a very literal event. Jesus was here, so I'm here, and now Jesus went over here, and so I, I followed him over here. And like they followed him, and like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go where he goes, and if he's doing something, I'll do it or help him do it. It was very literal. But following Jesus when there's Jesus isn't here anymore, something very new to them. Again, for those of us here who follow Jesus, I mean, that's, that's all we know. It's kind of following his teachings and trying to live the life he says he wants to live. But for them, it was, it was very literal. So we have these moments where Jesus is like, man, I'm not going to be around forever. And here's what I want you to be about. And we find one of these passages in John chapter 13, starting in verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And so maybe there's parts of that that are confusing. You may look at that and think maybe really actually all of that is quite confusing. So we have this word glorified, just kind of this... Think about glorified as kind of shining brightly, right? Just internally, externally, just kind of with your character and who you are, just kind of being exalted, worship, just kind of shining in some way. And so Jesus is saying, he's like, because of who I am as, as, as the Son of God, and, and here also kind of referring to himself, Son of Man, which is kind of referencing some prophecies. Basically, it's this Messiah, Son of God figure. I'm glorified, like I, I kind of shine and God... And, and, and the Father kind of recognizes this because of who I am. He kind of shines a little brighter. And there's going to come this time when is this all just going to 
happen in a, in a big way because I had to, I don't know, for lack of a better word, kind of repress some of that to kind of just be a regular human here. But when I get back to heaven, there's kind of be this kind of this even bigger shining, this glorification, and it's coming. And so he's essentially in, in a fairly, again, a mildly confusing way. He's kind of setting this up, and then he tries to say it something a little more directly in verse 33. He's like, I'm not going to, you guys, you guys know I'm not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be actually going to be here for a little while longer. Jesus knew he was about to die. And I said this to the Jews before, I'm going to say it to you. I'm about to go someplace, and you're not going to be able to follow. So again, he's kind of setting this up like what I said. is like, what's it going to look like for you when you can't literally follow you anymore? And a little bit later, in kind of some dialogue that we're not get to in this passage, they kind of say, "Man, what?" You can tell they're confused. Yeah, they probably they just they, they're just kind of as confused about this sometimes as we are, which I think is can be encouraging for us. It's like they they were kind of a little confused about what he was saying too. He's like, "Where are you going? Where are you going? I mean, like we followed you a lot of places. Where are you going when you think we can't go?" And you know, Jesus is trying to get a little more direct with them. Like, "Where I'm going? Like, I'm here, but eventually I'm gonna go someplace you can't go. You'll come later." He's still just a lot of death euphemisms here, but essentially he's describing, I'm going to die, and, and you're going to still be here. And you'll, and you'll join me later. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and you'll I'll make sure that you get to come be a part of this. But in the meantime, you're going to be here without me. So then his conclusion to this, this kind of this idea, okay, I'm not going to be here. Here's what I need you to be about. Verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So you got this phrase that kind of jumps out in a very short period of time. says it three times. See it over and over again. Love one another. Love one another. I want you to love one another. This, people are going to know you're my disciples if you love one another. I love you, so you should love one another. He says it over and over again. So that's, that's this idea that we're drawn to. This is what he says. As I have loved you, love one another. This is how people are going to know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. So that's obviously the focal point of what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. So we're going to do a little group Bible study here. I'm going to read this again. But there's something else about this command, these, these two verses, that I think that really stand out. And we'll see if, if we notice it and any of us have the courage to say it out loud. I'll try to even give you a hint. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's a particular idea, a particular word in there that really kind of stands out. And honestly, when I look at it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Anybody catch it? Just one word? New. New? A new command? A new command. Man, like the Bible's full of this, right? In fact, Jesus already told them to love already. In fact, Jesus was asked what the greatest commands in all the Scripture were. And he says, well, that's actually two. Love, love the God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He has said this before. Jesus has given the command to love before. And he says, it is, in fact, the second most significant command in all of Scripture. And so then he says, I got a new command for you, love. And you're like, 
bro, that ain't, that ain't me. And I, and I think it's important for us as we are reading the Bible, especially when we read stories, we're reading kind of, especially Jesus' teaching, there's always going to be these moments where you're going to be kind of like, okay, what, that doesn't make sense. Maybe I don't, I, or maybe you read some, you hear some stories like, I don't like that. Like, and there's something about it that is a little unsettling or is confusing. And I think we've been trained a little bit to be like, to feel bad about that. Like, you're not supposed to talk back to the Bible. It's like, it's the Bible. It's the Bible. I can't talk, I can't talk back. It's the Bible. But honestly, these, these things that kind of stand out, they're features, not bugs. It's not a problem with you. It's a feature. It's a design and it's teaching. A new command I give to you, you're expecting him to say something very new, but what he doesn't say is not very new. He's not supposed to love, but if he hadn't said that, we probably would have heard what he said. Is like, hey, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Just love people. He's like, a new command I give to you. Now we slow down a little bit. What is it about this? The question you have to ask, what's, what's new? Like, what, 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 what's new about this? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. And so we stop and we slow down. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. There's a couple of things that I think that are different about this, about the way that he says that we should love one another, than maybe the other command, something about this that makes this new, that makes it a little fresh. And the first one, I think, is the fact that he uses himself as the example. So Jesus as the example, that's something different about it. It's not just love your neighbor as yourself. It's you, as I have loved you, love one another. And so when you think about love your neighbor as yourself, there's something that's kind of self-focused about that. Hey, you think about the way that you take, think about yourself and think about others the same way, or even the do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There's kind of this, not a selfish kind of love, but kind of a self-interest, self-focused kind of thing where it's like, I think about me and I think about the way that I love, the way that I want to be loved, and I'm going to try to love that way. But Jesus is saying, let's take you out of it. It's not about you being the best version of you or loving the way that you want to be loved or loving the way that, you know, love, loving others the way you love yourself. I want you to love people the way that I love people. In fact, I want you to think about the way that I have loved you. And the way that I have loved you, that's how I want you to love each other. So I'm sure in this moment, it gave them some pause. And I'm sure months later, after Jesus' death and his sacrifice that was for everyone, sacrificing his life for them, and the torture and what he went through, they're thinking about this. I mean, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean, Jesus? Jesus, how did Jesus love us? I mean, of course, I mean, the first word that comes to mind is, is, was, is sacrificial. He, he fully gave of himself. He sacrificed himself. He gave up the things that were very often seemingly in his own best interest, the things that he wanted that would have seemed to be better for him in order to meet the needs of people around him. There was, a, there was a sacrifice to it. And I think it's important. As we see this in Ephesians, we've seen in Philippians, as Paul is describing the love of Jesus, this idea of I'm going to give up the things that I want in order to meet the needs of the people that God has put around me. 
And when we do that for each other, we're just we're doing the thing that Jesus did. He sacrificed and he's meeting people's needs. He, when he saw physical needs, he was a healer. He was a feeder of people. He brought water to people. He brought hope to people who were hurting. He met people right where they were. He was, there was, there was a, like, no matter what bad circumstance you find yourself in, you can experience the love of Jesus. There's a, there's a love first. Love first, ask questions later. You know, no matter how bad the person was, there was this sacrifice, I want to love you, I want to, I want to help you kind of mentality. But also, part of the way that Jesus loved you, he was going to love you, he was, you were going to get better. You were just going to get better with Jesus' love around you. This is kind of a thing that, that I've said from time to time, and it comes up every relationships, every time we talk about relationships. The difference between a buddy and a friend. Jesus was a friend, not a buddy. What is a buddy? At its simplest, a buddy, you do something stupid, and your buddy goes, <laughs> right? He, he laughs, right? He's, he's, he's filming it, right? And he thinks it's hilarious. A friend hears you're about to do something stupid, doesn't pull his phone out and says, don't. Don't be an idiot. Don't say that to your wife. Don't do that to your kids. You can't do that at, you can't do that at work. You can't act like that. You can't talk like that. You got to be better than that, bro. That's what friends do. Friends make each other better. Buddies just kind of laugh at one another when we're doing stupid things. But you're around Jesus, you're going to get better. And so basically what he's saying is, I want you to love in that way. I want you to sacrifice for one another. I want you to meet one another's needs. I want you to help as a, as, as a community. I want you to get better. And I think this points to the second thing that I think that is new about this command. Jesus is the example, but it's also, it's focused on community. This is a plural command, and that, that matters. It really matters is what he's saying. When I say, love your neighbor as yourself, I'm like, hey, you, 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 you. You all need to love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. This is an individual command. We can give it collectively. Hey, we're all here. Here's what all of you individually need to do. You need to go out and love your neighbor as yourself. This is a group command. Hey, you. You, all of you, you love one another. This is, this, is, this is a community. This is what he is saying that we want to do. These are the type of people that you need to be. This is not about you doing the right thing so that you can be a better person. This is about the type of community that Jesus is wanting us to build. This is who, as his people... He's wanting us to be. We are people who love one another. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is a constant giving. It is, it is a collective thing. And again, what he's about to say next, it's going to be the thing that needs to define us as God's people. And he continues on. He says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So essentially what we have here is this idea. This is how we will be identified with Jesus. Now for the next four weeks, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about what this love looks like. We're going to talk about some of the struggles that we have to love other people well. We're going to talk about 
some of the, the more difficult circumstances that we may find ourselves in where it's more difficult to love somebody. We're talking about how we can kind of overcome those, how we can love people well in bad times and bad times that happen to them, bad times that, so that they create for themselves. And we just kind of figure out a way to kind of love one another well. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Jesus kind of set this up here. This is the defining characteristic, love one another. And so in order for us to really understand that, we need to go deep into that idea. What does Jesus mean by love? What does it mean to love one another? And we are, we're going to do that for four weeks. But in this moment, as we kind of set the stage for this series, I think it's important for us to have a moment of reflection about what he's saying right here. This is how people are going to know. Is that a Jesus person or not? Like I step into their space. I step into their world. I, I walk into their small group, their Bible study, their Sunday morning meeting, their family, their gathering of friends. They're all hanging out. I step in. I don't know what's, I don't even know what's going on here. I step in. I say, wow, that is a lot of love that's happening. Those must be Jesus's people. And so what he's saying is, if you want the world to know that you are associated with me, then they'll know that, by the way, you love each other. I had an interesting, cool opportunity this week. The family has been a part of our church for quite some time. The Ivies, Britt and Z, Ivy, uh, and they're moving to California. She's taking another job there. She's taking a job there on Monday, and Z is going to be working with some ministries that help people who are currently struggling with homelessness. It's a really cool deal, and she was telling me about it. She's really excited and just kind of feels like that us, as we as a church, we've kind of launched them out, which is a really cool deal. And I was at this thing on Wednesday. She works at the CMM, which is this missions organization. I need to pause here for a second and rant about something just briefly. She used to be here on staff at the church as, as, as our bookkeeper, our finance director. And what happens is, and this happens all the time, we, have a fi- we, we need to finance, somebody to do our finances. It's like, hey, we'll train you. You don't need any experience as long as you're kind of you know, a respectable person and understand how to use the computer. We can train, you can do it. And then what happens is they, they work here for a little bit, and then some other group that can pay real money is looking for an experienced person to do their finances, and boop, they're gone, right? So it happened with Brits. It's happened many times. It's fine. I'm not... Only a little bitter. Anyway, so she's been doing this for the CMM, which is great. We love it. We love she's doing only jokes. And so they're having this thing on Wednesday morning for her to kind of thank her and kind of to send her off. And they're having this share time, and they're all going around. And I'm talking about almost every person said, yeah, we love Britt so much. She's so funny and sarcastic. And the next one oh, she's funny and sarcastic. She's funny and sarcastic. Funny. Everybody just kept describing her as funny and sarcastic. And I began to think, it's like, she was on our staff for quite a few years. I would have described her as the quiet one. I was like, oh, well, this is just what, this is just what we send out. Our quiet one is your funny and sarcastic one. That's just kind of, that's just kind of our staff vibe, right? You may, not be the, you may not feel like the funny and sarcastic one here at the staff meeting, but we launch you out some other, hey, man, you're funny, sarcastic, right? It's great. It's great. It's kind of who we are. It's kind of, again, it's just, there's a common denominator here between this story I'll tell you about our staff and I'll tell you about our family. You figure it out yourself. Like, so it's like, that's a, that's a Grove person. That's a, that's a, that's a Lofton. There's a, there's a characteristic. Now, Jesus is saying that, that there is one characteristic that needs to define us. 
and when you when they go when you go out when you live your life and they see you they'll know that you're mine and they'll know that you're mine by the way that you love each other now if this is what Jesus is saying this is how everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another We're really only left, I think, with one very, very important question. How how are we doing? How are we doing? Jesus says this is going to be the marker to decide whether or not we are Jesus' people or not. By the way that we love each other. How are we doing? I may feel feel like maybe I'm asking that rhetorically. I'm really not. I mean, I really want this to kind of be a, a deep, thoughtful moment for us. To ask the question, are we doing, as as people who say that we follow Jesus, are we doing a good job of identifying ourselves to the non-Jesus people by the way that we love? And so as you think about this question, I kind of want us to think about it in three different ways. We'll start big and go small. And the first one will be um, big picture, capital C church, all churches everywhere, Christians as a whole. Christians, you believe that Christians in this world, in this moment, have a reputation with non-Christians as being, man, you hang around them? Man, their love, man, there's just a lot of love there. So much kindness and sacrificial love. You just walk in there and that is the thing that you feel. Do you believe that is our reputation? Now maybe it feels a little rhetorical. I think the answer to that question is no. I do not think that that is how we have been, been, been defined. I don't think that is what people think of when they think of American Christians. And we have to own our part of that. We can get in our private little groups all we want to and rant about the world and well, well, it's a problem. It's a problem the way they're, they're decay and they don't see and they don't. They, no, no. Show them then. It's your response. It's our responsibility. To show them, but it's not what we're doing. I, I, I hear about this way too often, and then finally I saw. I'm not trying to be cool by using this word. I saw a meme this week, and it was this group. It was just a people of people worshiping at church. And basically what it said was, this is the same group of people that in about 30 minutes about to chew out an 18-year-old waitress. And you want to comment on that, right? How dare you say something true out loud? You know, our, our neighbors here, when I first met with them several years ago to figure out, hey, I noticed you guys are closed on Sunday. You got, are you guys ever open on Sunday because of the parking lot parking situation? No, no, no. We're not. We're closed on Sunday. We'll always be closed on Sunday. Do you want to know why? And I think in that moment, I think I, I knew the answer was no. That I didn't want to know why. This is the way she said. You want to know why? Said, yes. And she was like, "Because Sunday lunch is the worst. It's it's the absolute worst. They're horrible tippers, and they're incredibly rude to our staff. Church people trying to serve them a restaurant. It's the worst. And so we got to be closed someday. Might as well be closed on the day where the worst people come." Like, I, like, I, I'm trying, like and is it my job to apologize on behalf of the world? Like, I mean, like, I'm so sorry. And like, but th- this, this is how we have come to be known. We are the, not the people who inject love into spaces. 
in our social media spaces, in our restaurant spaces, in the way that we talk or treat each other. It's like, no, man, we do pretty good in here. In the way that one church talks about another church. One group of Christians talk about a different group of Christians. We are not known for loving each other well. And big picture, we need to own that. Ultimately, we can only own our spot in it, but we need to be aware of that. Well, let's scale it back a little bit. How, how are we doing as our church? How do we do at loving one another? We got the thing on the front door. You're right there next to you. For somebody walking in the parking lot, it says, you belong. We, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a phrase, it's a slogan that is meant to communicate. This is a place where you can come and experience love and connectedness. When people walk in here, is that what they experience? Have we, have we been, do we define ourselves well as that? Like someone, I, I, I say this all the time, like there's always somebody new. And right now, even in this moment, even in this moment, there is someone here who is at a minimum having only maybe their second or third experience. Some people here probably having their very first experience of what it means to be here. And like, what are these people, what are they like? Is love... Is that what they are experiencing? Now, I have the privilege. I have the privilege of being at Connections every month where we have new people. And I want, I want to give you guys, I don't want to, I mean, we, we, we lost a point the first round. I'll give you the point back here in this round. I think we do a pretty good job. I hear a lot from people who are brand new that say that's part of the thing that, it, that drew them in. It just seemed like people here seemed real. They seemed authentic. They seemed to really care that I was here. And so I want you to feel good about that, but I also want you to be mindful of it. I want you to be mindful that people are coming here, by the time they make it here into the room, they're looking for something. And they're not wanting us to fail at loving well. They're wanting us to win. That this, this is our job. This is who we are. We need, we need to let people know that when they're here, this is a place where love exists. We love one another. Just like Jesus, we want you to know. We want you to know we're on Jesus' team by the way that we love each other. But ultimately, we dial it back all the way. How are you doing? Do you feel in the way that you love, do you feel like that you are representing Jesus well? When people see the way that I talk to my friends, when they see the way that I talk to my family, to say the way I interact at work, am I someone who, by the way that I am, I'm showing people that must be a Jesus person? My youth group used to talk about this all the time. You need to live your life in such a way that people know that you are with Jesus. In that context, all it meant was don't go to parties. That's all that that meant. And the idea was there that you wouldn't go to parties and people were like, man, there's something very attractive about you. You don't do the fun things that we do. Well, tell us about that. And it never really worked the way they were. So it was really just a ploy to get us to not go to parties. Now, I'm not saying you should go to parties. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying that you can just live however you want. I don't want to go too far, but I do want to say this. That's not the primary way that Jesus said we were going to be able to identify ourselves as his people by the things that we don't do. I abstain from certain things. There's some things we need to abstain from. I get that. But Jesus doesn't say, and people will know that you're my disciples by the things that you abstain from. People are going to know that you're my disciples by the way that you love each other. If I want people to be drawn to Jesus because of who I am and what I do, 
is going, it, how, do, how do I walk? How are you doing with this? Because the more of us that say, I'm going to make this a priority for me. I want to love well. Then suddenly we're a room full of people who are loving well. And suddenly we can get our big picture reputation back. These are just people who love each other so well that the world can't help but say, those are Jesus' people. Let me pray.